All right, it's official, everybody. Week two, and the, and the uh, sermon bumper is still creepy. Um, <laughs> just, just thought I would just make that known for everybody. All right, and, and listen, here's the good news, right? Every week you come back during this series, we get to watch it. So there you go. High five someone and go, yes, congratulations. We get to watch that thing, all right? Um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of fitting evidently, like maybe for the week that we're in, but uh, it just really fits the whole series. Uh, dealing with lies that the enemy is trying to use to entangle you, to trip you up, and to hold you from being the greatest potential that God has designed for your life. Uh, that's what we want to do. We want to help you become the greatest that God has for you. So in doing so, we're kind of looking at some lies that the enemy uh, kind of throws our way. Can we just kind of jump in today? This is week two. So if you're here and this is your first week with us, week one is online at mindylifechurch.com. My name is Jeff. You're sitting here at our Kearney campus, and I want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us at our North Platte campus as well. I don't know about you, but I, I like to watch the news. I like, and I don't like watching the whole news. I'm really glad I don't have, have a, like an actual, um, like, Fox News or CNN. I, I don't have that streaming like necessarily into my house right now, but I do get to watch the snidbits, right? So I go online, I look at their app, or I, I go onto my, my uh, internet, and I, I'll listen to the snidbits of it. Uh, so uh, I, I enjoy that. I, I like trying to keep up on current events. But if, if you're like me, then here's what, here's what you're probably feeling right now. You're feeling a little bit like what in the world is going on? Right? We've got all these hurricanes and typhoons, mudslides and floods that have taken thousands of people's lives here in 2018, which by the way, doesn't make this an abnormal year. This has kind of been on par actually for what we've seen in the last few years. Uh, but it's just like the things that have hit America recently and that, you know, category four hurricane that just slammed into the South, into, you know, uh, Florida, um, uh, Panama City, Florida, as an example, my sister used to live there and I was just like, wow, I'm so thankful that you didn't live there when that storm hit. But so many people have lost so much because of those storms. And man, my heart goes out to them, as I know many of you, uh, your heart goes out to them as well. Then I think about the earthquakes that have hit just in 2018. And some of these earthquakes have killed thousands and thousands of people. If you lived in the country right now of Indonesia or Papua New Guinea and the earth shook just a small amount, you would fear for your life right now. Especially Indonesia, they've experienced some of the worst earthquakes in their history. It's just been crazy the types of things that have been happening. And then, although we maybe don't hear about it as much anymore, but the wars that are happening on our planet have killed hundreds of thousands of people. Hundreds of thousands. And there's five top places where hundreds of thousands of people in 2018 have died because of wars. Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq, right? Yemen, and even Mexico makes the top five list of places right now where war is taking place, whether it's a drug-related war or it's a border-related war or it's some kind of internal government-related war where hundreds of thousands of people are still losing their lives. And then let's get, let's get something, you know, that's more close to home. Uh, how about the 362 mass shootings that have happened here in America to date in 2018? 362. It's crazy. 418 people in those 362 cases have lost their lives. 1,344 other people have been injured. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear all of these news stories back to back, 
then there can become, in many of our hearts and minds, this small voice in the back of our mind that starts to spin, and it starts to ask questions like this. Is God really still in control of everything? Or did God start this earth and start humanity and then just walk away and allow it to become what it is today? And if you entertain those ideas and the outcome, then naturally becomes this in your heart. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt of the future. When God's no longer in control, who is in control? And if God's not in control, then that's where the fear and uncertainty and doubt begin to reign and rule. And when questions like these start ruling and reigning and taking root inside of your mind, then they lead to the lie that Satan has been working ever since the beginning of humanity to deposit into the heart of man. Here's where we're leading. He'll deposit thoughts like, does God really have the power to control his creation? Or he'll deposit thoughts like, does God even really care about the destruction and the wickedness that's happening from one human to another? Which all leads to the actual lie. Has God lost control of everything? Has God lost control of everything? It's all of his pain and destruction and devastation Is it because God no longer actually has the ability to control his creation? Is it possible that God has truly lost control of everything? Well, if we begin, if we begin to entertain questions like God's lost control of his creation, then naturally you have to then bring it back to, then how could I trust God to even care about me as a person? And there's a lot of people on planet earth right now that are asking the question, God can't control his own creation. Why should I allow him to control my individual life? God wants you and me to trust him. He wants us to trust him with everything we have. He wants us to trust him in the middle of chaos. He wants us to trust him in the middle of uncertainty. He wants us to trust him in the midst of turmoil and even the uncontrollable in your personal life. Here's what Psalms 23 says about who God wants to be in our life at all times. It says that the Lord is my shepherd I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right past, bringing honor to his name, by the way. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you, God. You are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and they comfort me. Now, this is a passage that you have heard. But here's... Here's where the truth of this whole passage comes in. Every single Christian is going to walk through dark valleys. Every Christian is going to experience then as well the bombardment that Satan wants to throw at you with his plethora of lies that he's wanting just to like lash out at you all the time. Remember last week, he is the father of lies, right? That's all he knows. His character is to lie. Every word that comes out of his mouth then, therefore, is a lie. And that's what he's bombarding every Christian with, to try to get us out of a Psalms perspective where even when I walk through the dark moments, you're still with me. He wants it that you're walking through the dark moments, God's lost control of everything. So what I want to do for you today is in week two of this series, I want to share with you five truths about God that every Christian must embrace and that every Christian must hold tight. These five truths need to be unwavering in the life of a person who would call themselves a follower of Christ. So let's say today that you're here and you've yet to commit your life to Christ. 
like we have. We have a people here at New Life. They're here every Sunday and their heart is hungry and they're searching for the, the solution and the answer, is God who he said that he is? You, you couldn't have come at a better series, by the way. And I'm proud of you for being here and I'm proud of you for asking those kinds of questions. And I wanna continue to make New Life a safe place for you to ask those questions. And I hope that you would find that in the life of the believers and, and followers of Christ that are here, those who are maturing in their faith, that the lifestyle that we will model for you would be such that you would go, I, if that kind of person follows Christ in that way, I, I can follow Christ in that way. We wanna be that kind of example for you today. But these five truths, these five truths are what every Christian has to have as rock solid in their life. But I'll also say this, if you want your faith in God to start on solid ground, these five truths are things you probably need to wrestle with as well. So this message is for everybody. It's for those who are seeking after God, and it's for those of us that are, you know, would refer to ourselves maybe as more mature in our faith, or we've been in our faith for a lot longer. These are the kinds of things that the enemy likes to come back and erode at. He likes to erode the foundation so that the house begins to fall. So I want, I want to tackle these five truths really quick with you, and uh, I want you to kind of like think about it, write it down. Here's the nice thing about five things is that, you know, if you wanted to today, you could practice something that will help you learn. Here's one of the things that will help you learn. As we talk about number one, uh, you, either, you either just have your hand, hold your thumb out, right? And you start associating, you know, this next point with that, with your thumb. As we go to the next one, hold your first finger out. Second, third, fourth, right? Or you go one, two, three, four, five. Maybe you're one of those kind of people. There's two different groups of people here, right? There's probably only one person that's going to start like this, though. Only one. And if you're sitting next to them, just have grace for them, all right? Have grace for them. So, number one. All right? This is me, this is me trying to just relate to all people, all right? Number one. First truth you've got to hang on to is that God is all-knowing. That God knows. Listen to this. Right? Because we, we live in a university community. Listen to me. God knows and he understands everything in every field of study. Every detail. Including the areas we don't even know to study yet. Those areas of science or development or technology we don't even know about yet. God already knows all the details about it. He knows it and he understands it. He's all knowing. So listen to this. There's, in the Old Testament, uh, there is an account of a guy by the name of Job who ends up in one day getting four different messengers that come to him. And in a, a series of a few minutes, it feels like, right, when you're reading, that he ends up losing all of his livestock. He, all of his servants die and all 10 of his children die either by invaders or by natural disasters. Now, you tell me, none of us have had a bad day like Job had a bad day. In the midst of all of that destruction, Job chapter 12, verse 13, here's what comes out of his mouth. But true wisdom and power are found in God. Counsel and understanding are his. Wow. That's some maturity, spiritually, of understanding who God is when your entire world falls apart on you. And everything you love and you cherish is no longer within your grasp. And for you to be able to say about God, true wisdom, meaning he can't make a mistake in, in making a decision, true power are his. If he wanted to stop all of that, he could have stopped it. 
But here's the, bigger, here's the bigger point for right now is this, and understanding are his. All knowledge and understanding are God, that God is perfectly wise in how he applies his knowledge and his understanding to our lives. The very first truth you've got to have rock solid in your life is that God is all-knowing. So let's, let's just tackle it from a truth perspective. If there was one thing, one single thing that God didn't know or understand, it would disqualify him from being God. One thing. If there were one thing that God didn't apply or respond to correctly with wisdom and with knowledge, it would disqualify him from being God. God, as defined through his word and defined in the testimony of many of our lives, we would have to say like Job, even when all hell breaks loose in my life, even when the worst of the worst day unfolds in front of me, God, you are all powerful and you're all knowing. Truth number one. Truth number two, because if you don't have that rock solid, here's what happens. It's like a crack that the enemy starts digging at and he digs at and he digs at until he gets to your heart and he deposits the lie. So truth number two, God is all powerful. So God is all knowing and now God's all powerful. I, th I think we marvel at the power that some human beings have. We marvel at the power that maybe a supervisor has or you know, an owner of a business has or a creator of you know, something that has just revolutionized our world or the president of the United States, the person who is you know, rightly so the most powerful person on planet Earth in many, in many ways. But no matter how much we marvel at the power that people hold, none of it compares, it pales in comparison to the power of God. Think with me right now. If God wanted to heal somebody right now, he could do it. If God wanted to help somebody out in an extreme financial situation, he could work a miracle right now. If God wanted to raise somebody from the dead right now, God could raise them from the dead. Because God is all-powerful. And David said it best in Psalms 62. He said, God has spoken, look at this word. What does that word say? That's what I love. I love. God has spoken plainly, simple. I can understand it. And I have heard it how many times? Many times. What has he heard that's so simple to understand that he's heard many, many times? Say it with me. God, power, oh God, belongs to you. Plainly, simply, many different times, David goes, hey guys, there's no argument about this. Power, true power, only belongs to God. But we, we often want God to use his power to benefit us. And that includes me. We will pray in a way that we want God to use his power to benefit us. But here's what I want you to know today. God uses his power for one reason and one reason only. And that's to bring glory to himself. So that the world will see him and that the world will follow him. So why does God use his power in a way that is different than what we would really want? Isaiah, Isaiah 55 deals with it. He says that my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. Why does God tend to use his power in a way that's different than what you and me would choose to use his power? Like turn the storm? Like God, rewind time so I don't get that phone call? Like God, reverse 
you know, time so that I don't end up in the same situation of pain that I'm in? Why is it that God does things that are different than what we would do? Because his thoughts are nothing like our thoughts and his ways are far beyond anything we can imagine. I want you to think with me right now, what would be the ingredients and how much of each ingredient would you need just to put one star into the sky? How about just to like form one planet? How much mass would you need, right? And where, how would you, how would you operate just to like, just get an asteroid to work? And it goes on and on and on from there. Like God's ways and his thinking are so far beyond ours. But many times we get caught up in the rat race of life and we forget about that. And so then we get bitter and angry towards God. But listen to me. Listen, guys. God doesn't answer to us. Like we answer to an almighty God. So here's the truth. If there was one thing that could exercise power over God, he wouldn't be God. Just one thing. And if there was one person that could, like, take power from God, as if God couldn't control it himself, and some human being could snatch power from him, he wouldn't be God. God's all-powerful. So God is all-knowing, and God is all-powerful. The third truth you've got to have anchored in your heart and in your mind and doctrinally and theologically and, you know, just anchored in you is that God is everywhere at once. So think with me about that. You can't go anywhere to escape from God's presence. You could hop on a rocket ship that had the ability to travel the speed of light, get out of our little solar system, go across our small little galaxy, which in comparison to the universe is like this much, and you would still be with God. You could hop in a spaceship that I pray one day has a warp drive. Star Trek people with me, all right? I pray one day has a warp drive and cruise across the universe and get to the farthest outreaching place of the universe and guess what you would still find? God. You can't go anywhere and escape from God. And David knew this well. So he said this in Psalms 139. He goes, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. And if I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the, by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, what? I can't, I can't hide from you. There's nowhere you can go to hide from God. But here's what you need to know about that. Just because you can't go anywhere to get away from God doesn't mean the bad things aren't going to happen. Jesus is the one who said it. Look, it's going to rain on the just and the unjust, meaning that good things are going to happen to bad people and bad things are going to happen to good people. That's the world that we live in here on planet Earth. So you, you, you can go anywhere. You can't get away from God, but it doesn't mean that destructive things and hurtful things and painful things aren't going to happen to us. That doesn't mean that God isn't everywhere at once, though. But here's what we should remember, that because God is everywhere at once, that means God is near, and that means that nothing happens in your life without God knowing about it. All your pain, he knows about. All of our suffering, he knows about. 
But God would never be surprised, not even once, with news that you could bring to him that he would say, oh, I didn't know that. Or that surprises me, or that takes me off guard, or now what in the world are we going to do? Like, God's everywhere at all times. He knows it all. You can't surprise him, and that means that God, he knows every intimate detail of your life. Now you're starting to squirm a little bit. But listen to the truth of that. He knows everything about your life. And what does he choose to do? Love you anyways. That's an awesome God, amen? Yeah. So if one thing, just one little minute thing took God by surprise, he wouldn't qualify to be God. But nothing takes him by surprise. Truth number four, God, he's just. God is just. See, when, when people do wrong or people do hurtful things that you care about, like right? they, they hurt or they do wrong to someone, what do you and me want to see happen? We want justice brought to them, right? And that's what we want. Now, what happens when we find out that a person has, you know, been found guilty for doing something that they never did? And then they were sent to prison, and 10 years later, the DNA tests were actually ran, and then we find out you're not the guilty one, and then we let them go. Like you're happy, but yet kind of frustrated and angry with them, angry with the whole process, right? That's because we live in a world where justice doesn't always win. And here's what happens for us. We tend to overlay that upon God and think that because justice doesn't always win on earth, then we tend to think that God's justice isn't always right and isn't always fair. But I want to let you know today that God always responds to people's behavior in a fair and a right manner. However, God doesn't always give a person what they deserve. And the reason for that is because God's much more than just just. God is also gracious. God is also forgiving. And he is full of compassion. So God becomes all of this wrapped up into one which becomes very, very hard for us to understand and what makes us you know, feel like God isn't being just when many times God is just showing incredible grace out of his justice. So God is just, but never confuse his grace with the fact that he's not holding justice. Never confuse his compassion and, and claim that he isn't a just God. Never do that because, look, God's all of it wrapped up into one and you and me can't fathom that. So here's the truth. If God, even once, with one human being on the backside of a desert that you and me, we don't even know about them, we didn't even know that they existed on planet Earth, if God even once unjustly disciplined or punished a person, he wouldn't qualify to be God. But God has never taken that action. God is just. God is God. But the last one that you've got to hang on to, because if you don't have these five things rock solid in your faith with a grip of understanding on them, then you open up the door for the enemy to deposit the lie that ends up maybe going off like a nuclear bomb inside of your life. Maybe not today, but five years from now. And you look completely different. The person you never wanted to be spiritually. The fifth truth that you've got to hang on to is this. God is unchangeable. He's unchangeable. That's difficult for us 
Because we live in a world where everything changes. The weather changes. It goes from a beautiful day like yesterday. Come on, who was happy with yesterday? To snow tomorrow. Okay, that's not happening. Just, just messing around. But in Nebraska, that can happen. Weather changes. Seasons change. Laws change. Speed limits change. And then we get the ticket and we're like, I didn't know that sign changed. Yeah, it changed three years ago. <laughs> That's not a personal story, by the way. It's just, just a hypothetical moment, okay? Laws change. Cost of living changes. Schedules change. And the list goes on and on and on. Everything changes. But God doesn't change. And we use a word for it. We say that God is immutable. Here's what that word means. To say that God is immutable, check this out, means this. That God is not capable or susceptible to change. So it's not just that God doesn't change. It's that God isn't capable or susceptible to change. That's a big statement, is it? That means this. That the God we were introduced to at the beginning of Genesis is still the same God. And he hasn't changed one iota. He hasn't changed one little piece. And he'll still be the same into our future as well. Listen to what God says about himself, about not changing. In Malachi 3, I am the Lord. And what? I do not change. How about this next one in James? James 1, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. How about this last one? In Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is who our God is. God is unchangeable. Yes, we live around people, and people change. Friendships change. Coworkers change from being loyal to unloyal. Children change. One day, they're little angels, and the next day, they're little, yeah, you get it, right? One day, they obey perfectly and you're like awesome we're gonna go see family and they're the most strong-willed child the next day you've ever seen in your life but we as parents change too and in one moment we can be highly encouraging and the next moment we can be highly critical we we change but here's the good news you don't need to worry about God changing God never changes and listen to this he never needs to improve and God doesn't have anything on a list hidden someplace that he needs to repent of either. God doesn't change, and God has no need to change. So please hear me on this. The same God who went through the flood with Noah, he walked through the desert with Moses, he slayed the giant with David, and he healed the sick with the disciples, and then he went to the cross for our sins, is the same God who goes with you through your challenging times today. And then here's the truth. If God needed to change one attribute about himself, he would no longer qualify to be God. If God needed to change one command that he's given from the beginning of time to now, if he needed to change one of them because he was wrong at it, he wouldn't qualify to be God any longer. These five truths must be held on to by every person who calls themselves to be a Christ follower because it's in one of these five zones that the enemy wants to start asking his questions that we talked about last week to start getting you off track, and it's in one of these five zones that he wants to start distracting you 
so that he can start eroding away at your faith and depositing the lie that he's going to put into your life. So you want to you fight against, you want to combat against the lies that the enemy wants to hurl and he is hurling at the church and at the believer today and at those of you who are yet to believe but you're wanting to believe in God, then get these five things rock solid. Rock solid in your faith. Let them become almost like an anchor. Like an anchor who it, it holds a ship in one spot. Right? And the waves they toss and the winds it blows and the anchor it holds them in that one spot so they, they don't do what? They don't just drift with the wind. Let these five truths act like an anchor in your spirit so you don't just drift with the wind of the lies that the enemy's trying to throw at you. So by all means, don't let your eyes fool you today and don't let your emotions fool you today. Everything that you see and that you feel isn't as it appears. Regardless of how bad things get or how crazy things get in your life or if you have a day like Job had, I want you to know today, God is still in control of everything. That means that nothing goes unnoticed by God. That means that nothing is bigger than God. That means that God is perfectly just in everything that he does. And that means that God is intimately connected to your pain and to your struggles. So because God is still in control, of everything. That means that today, with whatever you're dealing with, you can turn to him, you can run to him, and you can find incredible comfort in God today. In these next few moments, as our worship team comes, you can bring whatever it is. You can just bring your life to him. Today, if you've been searching after God, today might be the day where you just go, God, I'm going to surrender my life to you. Today, if you're a Christ father, you, you might be in a position where you're going to say, Look, I've been letting some things kind of be slack in my life. I've taken God for granted in some ways. I need to get back to these basic truths and let them be anchored. And you might repent to God and say, God, let these truths once again be what I lead and guide my life by. But if you feel like you're out of control today and you feel like you're in that uncertain, unwavering moment, I want you to know you can run to God because he's completely in control. Let him be your anchor in your time of trouble. Amen? So God is, he is completely in control. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Jesus, as we go to this time where we're going to respond to you in a time of worship, in a time of declaring truth through song, in a time of prayer, meditation, in a time of repentance, in a time of praise, one thing is constant and one thing is true, and that is you don't change. You've been in control since the beginning. Forgive us, God, for our lack of faith that you've been in control. Forgive us, God, for doubting that you had the ability to control your creation, so how could you control us? Lord, forgive us for that. Lord, we want to trust you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, may the lies of the enemy be crushed and may the, the truth of our God reign and rule in our hearts and reign and rule in this place. So Jesus, as we come to seek you, I'm, I'm praying one simple prayer. Let, let the, the power of your presence impact every single man or woman that is here at our Carnic campus, at our North Platte campus, and those who have been watching online with us. Let your spirit impact them in such a profound way that today they would walk out of here knowing they met with the one true living God who's completely in control of everything. In Jesus' name, amen.